we're full of social media. We're full of the news. We're full of our problems. We're full of anxiety. We're full of frustration. We're full of wringing our hands. We're full of anger. We're full of unforgiveness. And this might not be for you, but it is for somebody. When the remedy for those things is holy ground moments with a holy God who wants to come in and he wants to deliver a message to you that will change you, that will change others, and that will change the future if you act on it. We need this. When was the last time that you sat long enough, your mind was free enough, the distractions were at bay, that you said, I'm sitting here waiting for you? It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl. Happy summer and welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Love y'all so much. Hope you're having the best summer ever. I hope you are enjoying your family, your kids, your husband, your mom, whoever. Uh, I hope you're soaking up the sun. I love the sun. I love being in the sun. I'm like one of those people that has like, is it seasonal depression? I don't know what it is. But if it's cloudy, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a bad day because it's cloudy. I love the sun. Love it. That's why we live in Texas. Uh, But I hope you're enjoying the summer already. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Welcome to the show today. We are going to do day two of our series on holiness. And we are going to talk about holy ground. Why is holy ground important? What is holy ground? Can you have holy ground? All of those things we'll talk about after the break, but I'm so glad that you're joining us today by a pool, by a beach, in your house, at Chipotle, wherever. Okay. Couple housekeeping things. Uh, follow us on social. Autumn Miles, Autumn Miles. You find your girl with the fluorescent blonde hair and just click a little follow because um, you'll get to see the things that we put out on a, a regular basis and promote. And I always put my family up there. I'm trying to do that a little bit more lately uh, because they're getting older and they can. You know, putting your family on social when you're young is kind of weird to me. It's I don't know. I'm I'm very selective about it, but doing that a little bit more because they're getting older. So follow us along on social. Also, what is God doing in your life? Tell us. We want to know you guys. We want Tano. Email hello at autumnmiles.com so we can read all of your messages. Some of the stuff that comes in is like real intense. And we have to filter, but some of it is so simple and beautiful and it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what it is. Someone paid for my lunch the other day and like, I didn't, I didn't ask for it. It was just like a total stranger. And I was like, that is just the Lord loving me in this moment. So anyway, send us a message about what God is doing in your life so I can share. Also, we're going on the road. And if you want to host the Autumn Miles show, send an email to hello at autumnmiles.com. I want to see you. I want to meet you. I want to hug you. All the things. Okay. Um, What is happening in my life? Okay. So, so much is happening. 
in my life. My life just never seems to slow down these days. But I have to tell you something that caught my attention. Like I, I was obsessed. Okay. So I'm exhausted. I've preached. This will be my fifth time preaching this week. <laughs> so mama's tired over here and done so many meetings and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, I'm weary. My soul is weary. And so what do you do when you're tired? You watch Netflix <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, I go over to Netflix because I haven't been on Netflix in a while because I just don't have time. But the first thing that pops up on Netflix, you guys, is Married at First Sight, the show. Have you guys seen the show? <laughs> it's the most, I'm really interested in any psychology behind these kind of shows. And Eddie, like, he made fun of me so much last night. He's like, you know, all this is fake. And I'm like, no, it isn't. They're for real getting married and they've never met each other. But basically the premise of the show is these people have been single forever and they want, they just want to get married. And so they hire, invite, I don't really know. I don't know. Cause I, I skipped to the part where they got married. I didn't skip. I didn't watch any of their stories, but anyway, they hire these professionals to find them a match where they live. Okay. And I started the show with these like five couples getting like they're getting married <laughs> talking about this man and this woman. And, you know, I'm so nervous. I'm so anxious. What is it going to look like? Am I going to be attracted to him? All those kind of thing, all the stuff. And I, watching in disbelief like what is happening right now and do you know all five of these couples actually i mean they did eddie said he thinks it's fake and they didn't have a marriage license or anything like that but i am believing everything that i'm watching and it's so fascinating because they have never met before you guys they have never I don't think, again, Eddie thinks it's all for show. <laughs> Eddie is very against the show, uh, okay? But as we watched it for two episodes, he's like, wow, they really do like each other. And I'm like, see, you're getting it. <laughs> Anyways, they actually seem to like vibe at the end of their wedding ceremony and they're into their reception. And there was one couple and they were, how do you say, uh, very artsy, very creative. Like the girl down the aisle wore a bird's nest on her head. And I'm like, that is not a choice I would make, but you know, do you sister. And then the man is like, you know, I don't know. He speaks to trash cans and stuff. It was so weird, but you know what? They went together and I'm thinking, who are these? Who are these experts that find these people? Anyway, it was really fascinating because the experts really did their job. I think, I don't know. It could be totally fake. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. All I know is that we sat there for hours last night and watched the show. And I have to say, during this time, I really was thinking about nothing else. <laughs> it really drained my mind from any sort of heaviness that was there. So, you know. I don't know if it was real or not, but it was fascinating. And there was like two more episodes and it was late. And I'm like, babe, I have to get up so early. <laughs>
And he's like, okay, we'll watch them tomorrow. So by the end of it, Eddie was even into the show that he thinks is totally fake. But I, I don't know. Am I naive to think that it's not? Probably. Anyway, that's what's happening in my life. Sometimes these shows just get me, guys. They just get me. Okay. All right. I am going to come back to you right after this break right here. And we are going to go do day two of the Holy series. And we're going to talk about Holy Ground. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X-Y-Z-A. Yeah. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve, rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the Biblical Harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X-Y-Z-A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. I hope you liked my little, you know, these shows are addicting. These shows are addicting. Sometimes I just need to tell you. We are going to make a hard not very smooth transition <laughs> into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk through holy ground. And is it possible for you to experience holy ground? It's very interesting, holy ground and looking through it and studying it. And, you know, we always hear of you know, pastors will preach and like, we're standing on holy ground. I mean, you've got people that will take off their shoes to preach, which your girl is one of them. But holy ground is only referenced three times in the scripture. Isn't that crazy to even think about? Like it's it's three times. There's um, two, I'm going to bring you two because it's not necessary for me to pull in Acts, but in Exodus and Joshua and then in Acts. And it was, it's so, it was such an incredible experience um, that you would think it would be referenced a lot more. That term would be used a lot more, but it is found three times in scripture. Again, Exodus, Joshua, and Acts. I want to get to my text and then I will talk you through defining holy ground and finding holy ground. I want to read to you out of Exodus. Now, obviously I've preached all this passage a lot and so has, you know, every, everyone that studies scripture has, but there are some principles in these two passages of scripture that I'm actually going to parallel for you 
that will talk you through the process of a holy ground experience. Let me read you Exodus first, okay? I'll pick it up in Exodus 3-2. This is the burning bush. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Now in my study, it said, and and a lot of commentators and study and stuff like that say that this could represent Israelites in Egypt. They were trapped, enslaved. They were there alive, aware, but they were enslaved. And um, just kind of like this bush was enslaved. They weren't consumed, but they were enslaved. So just a little insight for you there. Verse three, so Moses said, I must turn now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. He's looking for why. Why is this bush not burned up? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him to him from the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses, here I am. We're going to do lots of scripture and then I'm going to make some application. Then he said, don't come here, near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is, here we go, holy ground. He said also, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters for I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land and a spacious land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, Jebusite. Here we have God telling Moses, dude, you are standing on holy ground. The word for holy ground in the Old Testament is called Kodesh, okay? In the New Testament, it's called Hagios. And if you listened last week, you'll know that that's what the creatures sing in heaven. Hagios, Hagios, Hagios is the Lord God Almighty. At least that's what it is translated to in the Greek of the New Testament, Hagios, Hagios, Hagios. That's the word. In the Old Testament, it's called Kadesh. They mean the same thing, um, but Kadesh is the Hebrew word for holy. Holy, Kadesh, ground, okay? It means this, sacred, set apart, apartness, God. It could represent God, holy God, a holy place, or holy things. I want to quickly move from that, telling you Kodesh, the word, and I want you to move to the second out of three places that the term holy ground is used. Fascinating enough, it is used with the man who comes up after Moses, Joshua. It's moved with uh, used with Moses, it's used with Joshua. And I want to read you through that and then we're going to parallel the two okay 
Ver Joshua, mm, I'll pick it up, 512. The manna ceased on the day after the Israelites, the Israelites had just moved on into the promised land, had eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the land, um, some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, this is a fascinating passage of scripture that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand and joshua went to him and said are you for us or for our adversaries and i am obsessed with this we're going to camp on this in a minute and he said no <laughs> no I'm not for you. I'm not for your adversaries. I might have to give you a big fat no. I'm not one. Rather, I come as the captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy and god did so god did so oh man i'm gonna struggle today guys you should pray me through this and joshua did so it ain't no joke when you preach five times in one week it ain't no joke guys so bear with me both of these instances moses and joshua can be paralleled. And I think it's genius of the Lord to put these two passages of scripture um, really, really so close to each other in the word of God. It is something that we do see duplicated in other passages of scripture. We see God meeting with Gideon. But God does not tell Gideon, even though he comes and he meets with them, he doesn't tell Gideon to take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. I think it's just assumed it was holy if God is standing there talking to you. Even meeting with Abraham, there's no talk of holy ground. But we do see, although the terminology is not used, we do see this duplicated. When God shows up, he gives a message to someone in scripture, although it's not talked about as, as holy ground, God doesn't define it as that. It is a holy experience with God himself, okay? These two, both Moses and Joshua, God uses the term, he said, tells both of them, take your shoes off. Because where you're standing in Joshua, he says, holy in um, Exodus for Moses, he says, holy ground. The ground itself was not necessarily holy dirt. It was the presence of God descending down to the ground to have a conversation with Moses and with Joshua. His presence made it holy. We need more of this, okay? I talked last week about God's holiness and about how his holiness is his why. I'm just gonna be honest. I hate, well, well I'm gonna find my why. I 
hate that term. It is so overused. Find my why. My kids are my why. Okay, yeah, they should be. They should go without saying. You know, my career is my why. Okay, congratulations. I feel like it's just so overused. (laughs) And then God's like, ha this is what I'm going to give you to talk about. Uh, Last week, God's holiness drives every single thing that he does. His holiness is his why. His character comes out of his holiness. His decisions come out of his holiness. Everything God does is holy because he is defined as holy. So when God, being holy, decides in his holiness to come down and have a conversation with us, we need to listen. The very fact that the holiness of God is willing to hang out with me and you drives me crazy. But I have to say, I feel like there is a lack of this in believers today. I don't even want to say the church, in believers today, because we are the church. I feel like there is a lack of waiting, wanting, desiring, holy ground moments where the presence of God meets you exactly precisely where you are and delivers something that could save a nation, a world, a family, a person, a group of people. God is looking for people to have holy ground moments with. Although we only find it twice documented that way. I can tell you personally, I have had so many of these moments, times, experiences, not really even a moment, it's like an experience. Where the Lord descends, and I know it because I can feel it, because I know what the Spirit of God feels like. And he tells me something that transforms me, (laughs) my family, our future, my thought process. He heals something in me. We're lacking this as believers because we're full of so many other things. We're full of social media. We're full of the news. We're full of our problems. We're full of anxiety. We're full of frustration. We're full of wringing our hands. We're full of anger. We're full of unforgiveness. And this might not be for you, but it is for somebody. When the remedy for those things is holy ground moments with a holy God who wants to come in and he wants to deliver a message to you that will change you, that will change others, and that will change the future if you act on it. We need this. When was the last time that you sat long enough, your mind was free enough, the distractions were at bay, that you said, I'm sitting here waiting for you? When was the last time? that you invited God to come and have a holy ground moment with you. When was it? 
Now let me ask you this. You know the time. Is your anxiety higher? If you're one of those that's like, man, I don't even remember. Let me ask you this. Is your anxiety higher? Is your frustration with your kids higher? Is your reaction higher? Is your worry and stress higher? Because we feel the effects, whether you know it or not, of robbing ourselves of having holy ground moments with our creator God. That's why I wanted to do this today. We move over to, um, I'm going to talk through Mo first. My son's, my son's name's Moses. We call him Mo all the time. Someone the other day was like, I thought his name was Mo. I'm like, no, his name is Moses. That's just what his family calls him. Mo or Mosey Pie. I want to bring out a couple of distinctions in what has to be how you begin to encounter a holy ground moment. Holy ground defined or not even defined, I would say when God looks down at us, there's a couple factors that are necessary for a holy ground moment. And Moses had those. Moses lived his life in three sets of 40s, okay? 40 years Egypt, 40 years tending sheep, and 40 years leading the nation of Israel. So he is exiting the second that's why it's called Exodus. He's exiting that that second 40-year term and entering the new 40 years to bring the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt. But a couple of things were necessary in order for God to meet him exactly where they were. And we're going to bounce over to Joshua exactly where he was. And we're going to bounce over to Joshua here in a second. He had to be open for instruction. The beautiful thing about Moses is that he had lived so much life and he had almost come to a point where he was enjoying, you know, his life outside of the limelight. He didn't care. He was on the side of the mountain shepherding sheep, okay, um, for his father-in-law. He was just chilling. He was like enjoying his life, hanging out. You know, we know that he had kids. He had a wife, you know, the whole thing. He was relaxed. And he was at a point where he was open for instruction. You know, we have to be, to have a holy ground moment, desire, open. I'm not even desiring it, but just open for instruction. Let me ask you this. Are you open for God to come in and, and to speak to you and to talk to you and to have some sort of holy uh, ground message for you? Are you open to that? Is God welcome to come in and to give you instruction that may or may not radically change your life? Are you at a point where you can say, I surrender, Lord, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You come and do what you want. Moses, his soul had to be ready for something that was going to radically change everything about his life. And God saw that and he went and he met him there. I want to skip over to Joshua talking about the holy ground moment. Listen, this is so fascinating to me about Joshua. Joshua had sent the spies in. They met with Rahab. They were in Jericho. They came back. The Lord has given you the land. He preps the entire nation of Israel to cross the Jordan. Okay. 
million people plus crossing the Jordan over into the promised land. He, on God's word alone, is doing this and walking an entire nation of people. It would be like if, you know, the Texas governor said, okay, we're all going to walk over into Alabama. <laughs> Wait, is Alabama next to us? I don't think it is. <laughs> Anyway, it's just a geography lesson over here. Let's just stand up and walk into the next. I think it's Louisiana. What is it? Oh, my goodness. This is really bad. Okay. We're all today. God told me. Could you imagine him getting up and being like, God told me today we are going to cross the state line over into the next state. All of us together. Now there's more people in Texas than there were in the nation of Israel at that time, but you get the understanding. This is like a huge feat, okay, for him to move everybody over. And this is what drives me absolutely. My mind goes crazy when I hear this. He did this on God's word only that we're going to defeat Jericho, but he wasn't given any details of how. The Israelites, when they crossed the Jordan, they could actually see Jericho with their eyes. They could see it wasn't that far away. And it was a giant, huge city, but he hadn't been given any instruction yet. All he was given was go. He was not told how. Now, this is where God meets him. And I am obsessed with this because how often do we say, God, I need every single detail of how I'm going to be successful in this ask that you're telling me to do, but, and I'm not going to move without it. Joshua did, because this is the time where God gives him instruction. Let me read it. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in the hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries. Now at this point, Joshua has to be seeking for instruction. Okay, God, I brought all these people over here. I have no idea how we're going to defeat Jericho, but here I am. So he is probably asking God for instruction. So he is ready for it. I am ready for the next step. I am listening. I am here. I'm seeking. I'm asking. I need your direction, whatever. Moses at the other point was so peaceful that he was able to listen for instruction. But here he is. He sees this guy with a drawn sword and he says this, are you for us or for our adversaries? And this is what God says. This is so amazing. No, I'm not for them. I'm not for you. No. Now this would throw some leaders off. <laughs> God says, God before us, who can be against us? But you know what God is saying here? I'm not for them. I'm not for you. I'm the captain of the Lord's army. I'm for me. I am for myself, my holiness, my will, my plan. I am for me. I'm not for you. I'm not for them. I'm for me. This would solve. Do you understand how many conversations this would solve? <laughs> you know, we think God picks a side and obviously principles of the scripture scream loud at us and the word screams loud at us. And we already know what side he picks in a lot of instances. But in this instance, you want God to be on your side so bad against that fight against that friend, but God also sees their argument 
against you. And in this instance, God is saying, I am not for either of you. I am for me. Whatever my will is, whoever's operating in my will, whoever's operating in my time, I'm not for either of you. I'm for my holiness because my holiness is what brought me down to have a conversation with you. I'm for me. Do you understand that God, as much as you want to utilize him and manipulate him for your side, he's for his He's for his glory. He knows we're fallible. He knows we're sinful. He knows we we're humans. The Bible says, and he remembered that they were but flesh. We're flesh. So because he knows that he's working with not perfect people, he is always going to side with himself. I'm for me. Are you with them? You with us? No. No. Rather, I indeed come as the captain of the hosts of the Lord. I'm for me. Aren't you glad that Moses was on his side? <laughs> I mean, Joshua was on the side in this moment. He was like, okay, okay. Joshua recognized that and fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Now, Moses did something similar. Joshua fell down. And in uh, Exodus verse 3, 6, it said that Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Both of them were open in their own way to instruction. And both of them were marked and moved by God's holiness. Open for instruction. I was saying this, I think it was last week. I've talked a lot about holiness this week, but you know, when you just sit and um, there's been so many times where I've sat out on my swing or I've, uh, you know, been even in the car, or I've been at the ocean or, you know, wherever it is. And all of a sudden I feel just a dissension of God's presence. And it's like, you kind of don't even know what to do. At least I don't. Maybe you're cool, calm, and collected. I'm never that way. I start crying. <laughs> I was like, I'll start like, you know, <laughs> frantically walking fast. <laughs> I'll stand up. I've actually noticed this about myself over the years. It moves me. It affects me. And both of them, they didn't leave. They stayed but they were both affected. When was the last time that you have felt the Holy Spirit descend on you and on your situation and he's ready to have a conversation and you just can't even take it? The phone rings, you get a text message, something happens, your kid's screaming, something like that, and you leave that place rather than although you're affected by it, staying and hearing. The enemy does not want us to have these holy ground moments. And I think he's done a really, really great job at robbing them from us. His purpose is to still kill and destroy from us. Both of these men were open to instruction. Joshua needed it. Moses was ready for it. And when they understood who they were standing there with, they were moved, but they stayed. They didn't go along. Joshua wasn't called for dinner. Moses, even if one of his little sheep was caught in something, he stayed to hear what in the world was God about to do? What was he about to say? Open for instruction, affected 
but staying. We must be aware. Third thing. I want to talk you through um, the differences that the holy ground moments, what caught their attention. Moses, we know it's a burning bush. Joshua's was different. Moses, burning bush, that would be weird. But to be honest with you, if I'm driving down 635 in Dallas and I see a burning bush, I'm going to be like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> or like a burning car. I'm going to be like, yeah, it's probably not going to phase me much. 635 is crazy over there. If I see smoke or something like that, I'm going to be like, guys look and we'll just drive on right by it does that make me a horrible person i don't know it doesn't matter but to moses he's on the side of a hill there is no other fire anywhere at least the text doesn't say that and he sees this bush that's burning god knew exactly precisely what would catch his attention in his solemn solitary quiet open place now, a burning bush in Joshua's situation probably wouldn't have caught his attention because he didn't care. <laughs> He's about to go fight Jericho, the most tightly fortified city of all time. So what does God send him to get his attention? A man standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. <laughs> Now, if I look up and there's a dude in front of me with the sword drawn, yeah, it's probably going to catch my attention. But the reason it caught Joshua so much, and I don't know, maybe a lot of people wielded swords back then, but the reason it caught Joshua's attention is because war was on his mind and Jericho was the target. So God sent Joshua something to get his attention that was not like his predecessor. I want to make this point here. God sends things personally and specifically to get our attention when he wants to speak to us. This is what I want to say. What gets your attention might not get mine. What gets uh, your mentor's attention might not get yours. God knows exactly what's going on on the inside of us. And he knows how to send things that will get our attention so that we'll lean in and we'll look at the burning bush or we'll have a conversation with a man with a drawn sword right in front. No, that one would probably get my attention with a drawn sword right in front of us. Here's what you need to understand. What works for your pastor, your small group leader, but your podcast host is not necessarily what's going to work for you. And yet... When we don't have the experiences like people that we admire or follow or listen to or whatever, we don't have those same experiences. Oh, God doesn't work that way for me. Exactly. God doesn't work that way for me. He doesn't answer my prayer. It's because you're trying to duplicate something that God is never going to do the same for you because you are creative differently and beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. We call ourselves spiritual failures because God isn't working the same way in our life that he's working in somebody else when he just knows us too well to put something in front of us that we would never pay attention to to begin with. God is a genius. And we are the subject. I hear this all the time. Well, how do you 
do this? How do you do this? I'll tell you how. I've told you how. I literally will talk forever. <laughs> but what works for me might not work for you. The principles will be the same. But what catches my attention might be a burning bush and yours might be a man with a drawn sword. It's great to learn. But the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I had to do that, guys. I had to break out away from so much idealism of, well, my mom does this. Well, my church leader does this. Well, and, but it's not happening for me. So I'm a giant failure and I'm just going to live a Christian failure my whole life. And then I realized God doesn't, he is such a genius and I'm the subject. He's never going to work and speak to me because me and my mama are totally different people. We think different. We look different. God doesn't use the same thing to grab all of our attention. So find out if it grabs your attention, lean in. He's going to work different for you. He worked different from Moses. He worked different from Joshua, different people, different set of circumstances, different. One was a bush. One was a man. Holy ground came to both of them, but it came to both of them in a different way. He then says this, remove your sandals. And I love this because this is like gangster Jesus. <laughs> remove your sandals. Let's see it. Uh, Joshua 5.15, the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet. For the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua's like, yes, sir. And took off those sandals. Let me read here. Exodus 3, 5. Then he said, don't come near me. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing to Moses is holy ground. Why would he have him do that? Because God's holiness demands respect. He's looking at these guys, and I'm sure there's a whole gamut of reasons, but as I read these two passages of scripture, God is saying, I'm here. Your feet are dirty. They're filthy. They're gross. Take off those dirty, nasty sandals that you've been walking in. Separate the dirt from you so I can have a conversation with you. Respect the fact that where you're at is holy. This is so beautiful because I think I'm talking to my kids a lot right now about respect. You know, my son, I don't know if I should tell the story or not, but the, <laughs> maybe I will. Should I tell it? I'll edit it out if he's like, mom, don't tell that story. So the other day in church, now you guys don't think bad of my son because he is actually amazing. My 14 year old son, I'm sitting in church and church is over, you know, all the youth sit together. I'm sitting two rows. They're sitting in the front row. Some of his friends are sitting in the front row. In the second row is my son. And he served. That's the kind of kid he is. He served. And so he is sitting in the second row because he got there late and he didn't have a seat. Let me tell this. He served during in the kids. And he also served in the parking team. He served. That's what he was doing. And that's why he was sitting in the second row. So... So here we are, we're, we're wrapping up church. The prayer team is there. Our pastor gets up, our campus pastor gets up and he is, um, you know, saying, you know, thank you for coming and all this stuff. Y'all right in front of me, 
a teenage boy who shall remain nameless, took a piece of paper and he threw it. And I'm telling you, he threw it a solid like six or seven yards and it hits my son. And I think to myself, I'm so glad (laughs) this is what I thought. I'm so glad that it hit Jude because um, Jude would never do anything to retaliate. And then out of my horror, Jude picks up the piece of paper and throws it back while our pastor is on the stage. And y'all, I walked up there and I said, I walked straight up to him, like made a scene in church and said, come here and stand by me. After that, you can imagine the conversation about respect that we had about the house of God. Now he has apologized. He's paid his due. He was grounded forever. But there is an element of respect that needs to be introduced back into church. We have let all of these little things come into our life and they've really degenerated um, the respect that in these two passages of scripture, Exodus and Joshua, God demands, take off those dirty shoes. I'm here and I'm going to speak to you. So you need to remove those shoes. He demands respect. Let's review before I move on and I'll wrap up. Okay. We have to be open to God's instruction. We also have to understand that God is going to speak to us in different ways. We have to purify ourselves, which is what the shoes represented when they took them off of their feet. And the next one would be, we have to listen and jump into action. I'm going to take up Joshua here from now on, because you guys know what, uh, what Moses did. Now Jericho, Joshua 6, was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went in and no one came out. The Lord then said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. Like, see, I told you I've given it into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. Listen to how specific it is. You shall do this for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of rams, horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of a trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people will go up every man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark and let the seven priests carry seven trumpets of rams before the ark of the Lord. Okay. And they go do it. They basically go do it. What God said to Joshua was specific and answered a question. What God said to Moses was specific and answered many questions that Moses had about who, what, who are you, what do I say, all the things. God spent a lot of time with them being very specific about what they were going to do. And that is what holy ground does. Let me rock you through these here for a second. What I'm about to tell you when we have holy ground moments, what God is about to tell you is for him. He has specific instructions for you. God's message was for himself. I'm going to deliver the nation of Israel through you, Moses, 
This is how you're going to deliver Jericho, Joshua. It was for him. It was his message to his people. That's why holy ground moments, we must wait for them, sit in them, um, don't move from them. And we need to understand that they are weighty in the message. God's message was for him. Secondly, his message affirmed them. He told Joshua, listen, just the very uh, idea that he met with Joshua and said, where you're staying is holy ground, take off your shoes. Joshua knew that. I'm sure it was legendary that God did the same thing with Moses throughout all these 40 years that they had been running around. So that affirmed Joshua's leadership in that moment. Here we have Moses who doesn't know um, really anything, but God said, I'm going to send you. You're the guy. I'm going to take you. God affirmed Moses to go. So the message message he gave them was for God. Then he affirmed them. His message, number three, was specific and detailed. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go. You're going to march around the city. It was specific and it was detailed. His message answered a problem and had his solution. Okay. Israel is enslaved. You're going to go let uh, tell Pharaoh to let them go. And I'm going to show you how. Okay. Joshua, you've come through the Jordan. Now, We've got to defeat those that are in the promised land. And I'm going to tell you how to do that. It was answered the problem and it gave the solution. This is why holy ground moments are so important. His message on both terms brought victory. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be victorious before you even go. Do it my way. You're going to be victorious. And obviously Moses was, and obviously Joshua was. His message demanded action. Okay, Mo, let's go. Okay, Joshua, let's round up the Ark of the Covenant here, dude, and let's go. His message removed questions because it was so detailed, and his message affected lots of people. Doesn't that sound great? (laughs) Don't you want to be like, oh, I want one of those. Well, guess what? You can have one. You must have one. You must have many. I heard from a pastor one time, I've only heard the Lord's voice speak to me specifically twice. And I was like, really? That's so sad. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. (laughs) We need these as believers. We all want a specific instruction from the Lord. But are you at a place where you're seeking, you're ready for instruction, and whatever he says, you'll do? That's why it's holy. Because when you have holy ground moments, God is operating for himself and deciding to let you in on his plan. Holy ground changed my life. Holy ground is why I'm sitting here today. In 2020, um, the Lord said, I want you to stop doing radio. And guys, that was really hard. It was really hard. We had a ton of daily listeners. Like, this is not a small thing. I've been doing this a second, okay? (laughs) Daily listeners in DFW, like daily, like religion. I mean, they would watch every single day and I've heard from them like this again, not my first rodeo. And when God said, I want you to lay this down. I remember at the beginning of 2020 pre pandemic, God said, are you courageous enough to stop something? And I'm like, absolutely, Lord, I'll do anything for you. And then I had holy ground moment. And the Lord said, you need to move away from radio. And so I did. And it was hard. 
but it transitioned me into a place that is so much fun. I feel like I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Free. I mean, the way God has rebuilt, you know, what we've done has been amazing and he is just continuing to do that. But a holy ground moment did that for me. There's been so many of those in my life and I'm just seeing holes in the Christian community where people are too busy serving and they're not sitting. They're too busy talking and they're not listening. They're too busy just being busy. Doing what? What are you doing? Rather than making time for the Lord to sit and change and be specific and sit with them a while and really not just change their lives, but change everyone around them. Holy ground is worth. It's worth the stillness. It's worth it because God gets so specific with us. I want you to fight for that in your life. Fight for it. Fight for it. Because maybe what you need right now is not a new house. You need a holy ground moment. Maybe you don't even need healing right now. You need a holy ground moment. You don't need that promotion, that extra money. You need a holy ground moment. Because when the holy ground moments were over and God, they stepped into action. They stepped boldly into whatever it was that God said. It healed, it answered something in them that they needed. Holy ground. Let's get back to it. Lord, we love you today. Lord, thank you so much that you even descend in your holiness and meet with us. I, I just cannot believe that you do that. I can't believe it. You are good. You are God. You are the holy of holies. And God, we worship you and we praise you. And God, I pray for those people out there that are struggling anxiety, worry, whatever it is. And really all they need is for you to descend where they are. Send them a bush, send them a man to sit and have a long conversation with them about the next steps for what they're anxious and worried about. We love you. We trust you. We trust your leadership. We trust you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, guys, I'll be back in just a sec with a question and a story from one of you. See you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcasts and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God, while I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Every day, 
a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. I hope you love that. I just, oh, why is God word so amazing? It's so amazing. <laughs> I can't get enough. I'm addicted to it, guys. So question from one of you. We had someone that basically wrote in. There's a lot of details here, so I'll just kind of spare you most of the details. But they had a health scare. How many of you guys out there, you just all of a sudden you felt really bad and you're like, what in the world is going on with me? I feel like it, when our health is concerned, we kind of always fear the worst. My husband had a horrible health scare last year. That was terrifying because it was real bad and went to the doctor and he does not go to the doctor, but he went to the doctor and exactly what happened to him is exactly what happened to whoever wrote into us, this woman that wrote into us. Terrible, terrible health scare. But when they got to the doctor, they ran all the tests. There was a problem, but there was an easy solution, an easy, easy solution. And they write in and they're so thankful for that. So, you know, sometimes God will take something that is so hard and so scary and so terrifying and we blow it up in our minds only to find out that, listen, I've got a solution and it's really not as bad as you think. So huge, huge praise there. And I absolutely love that. Thank you for continuing to send in these amazing stories about what God's doing in your life. Okay, so I am going to summarize our question for today. We had a very interesting conversation before just about spiritual warfare, okay? I feel like we, I kind of feel like in the last couple of years, we've moved away from spiritual warfare and like you take responsibility for everything, which yes, you do. And I am super team, take, take responsibility. But then there are instances where you can feel the oppression of spiritual attacks, spiritual warfare, and all of those things. And here's here's the question that, that I'm gonna answer for you today. What should I know about spiritual warfare manifesting in my home? And how should I approach this now that it's happening right in front of me? Uh, basically, the question is about, I've seen some and felt some weird stuff in my house. How do I approach that? How do I combat that? Um, what does the Bible say about that? I know this person is well-versed in the scripture, but this is what I personally do myself. This happens to me all the time. You don't think that doing a podcast about Jesus every single week, the enemy is going to leave me alone. This happens all the time. We are in a battle. Read Ephesians 6 against principalities, powers of darkness in this current age. So when you find yourself fighting what you know is an oppressive spirit or whatever. I, the simplest thing that I do, because this happens a lot, a lot at night in my home is I start speaking the name of Jesus. I mean, I will walk around everywhere and just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Demons do flee when they hear the name of Jesus. Now, in some circumstances, they come back. <laughs> so you have to understand that sometimes you need to take it 
and you need to get one of the things that I do is I, I have a vial of anointing oil right by my bed and I anoint my house and maybe one day I'll do a whole show on anointing, um, but I'll anoint my house. So they see, you know, this is the anointing oil of God that is trickling down over all of my door frames, over all of my windows. And guys, I don't just do it once. If you're experiencing oppression or something like that in your house, get that oil. Our church has the little vials of oil at for prayer time every single week. You know, this is something that is scriptural right out of James. Call for the elders of the church to anoint and, and pray over people. So anointing oil is very much, very normal and not weird. Okay. But I, I'll speak the name of Jesus. I will anoint my house as many times as I need it, especially if we've come through something absolutely really, really hard. And I felt the oppression and then I will print out passages of scripture and post them in my house as a sign that says, I believe this. A good one if you're having some sort of oppression is Psalm 91. Just print the whole thing out. Post it somewhere so that you are marked. And those principalities and powers know you're marked. My house is marked. We stand on this word of God and do it as many times as you need it. And I'm telling you what, you know, Jesus did this in scripture. He had conversations with demons and it wasn't until he cast them out that they sort of ran away. I'm speaking specifically about the one that he cast into the pigs, but you have the victory because of your savior. They're defeated. They're defeated. Put on that Ephesians six full armor of God and operate as if you are on the winning team because you are, and you'll see victory. I hope this answered your question. Love you guys so, so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. Man, you guys are awesome. I'll see you next week for week three of Holy. It's going to be good. Love you. See you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.